0: CHAPTER Eight, ALWAYS HUNGRY Wen was unconscious, thankfully. The coughing had stopped, but his breath came in labored wheezes. He was a head taller than Kyla, but thin as a rail from his prolonged illness. Even so, she struggled to get his limp form sitting upright. Squatting, she flopped him over her shoulder. She strained under his weight as she stood, one arm around his legs, the other extended for balance. Next, tell Ali to stay behind us. If anyone follows, he should try to lure them away. No response came for several moments. Ali says you should hurry. Kyla started down the colonnade, slipping from shadow to shadow. The throng of masters was three hundred paces away and wholly focused on their conversation. She entered the trialty and passed to Christenside. From here, it was a long trek upslope, she had the choice to take the winding street of the diadem or a shortcut up steep stairways the former would take longer and increase her risk of being spotted by the watch they would be suspicious of a girl carrying an unconscious boy especially when both were cheap skaters she chose the stairs though her thighs burned with every step behind her the bells of the cathedral of till began to sound no one follows next sent "'Lop says Fallow is leading the donesmasters in circles.' "'What about Huff?' "'Hiding in the cathedral. Nothing from Henley.' "'Good. Meet me at the baths.' Nax would take a route along the roofs and probably beat Kyla there. Tromping boots sounded ahead. The street of the diadem was flanked by shops here. The pavement was broad and covered with a sheen of slush. Murcus lights shined atop posts, set every fifty paces.' Grissenside was very rich indeed. She paused and pressed into a doorway as a foot patrol of the watch passed by. Eight men with swords on their hips, two carried whip-axes on their shoulders, the shafts two spans long. Made from ello wood, the staves bent when the axes were swung. Guards who wielded them, called whippers, studied for years to master the weapon. Like a man with a whip, whippers pulled back at the last moment of a blow— the momentum and spring force in the shaft carrying the curved axe blade toward flesh. Kyla had never seen one used on a living being, but veterans spoke in hushed voices of the carnage skilled whippers left in their wakes. The watch passed, and their bootsteps faded to quiet. Kyla continued onward, fearing for her brother, fearing for Huff, fearing what the voluptuary would do once Wen was in her grasp. She emerged from the narrow stairwell, legs trembling, breath heaving. Despite the chill of the slush and wintry wind coming down the mountains, her forehead bore a sheen of sweat. No time to rest. She glanced down the street of the diadem. That patrol would eventually round the switchback and come this way. Putting on all the speed she could muster, she half-ran, half-shuffled upslope. She could feel the divide looming to her left, though none of it was visible now that the snow had increased. The star-side wall was indicated only by the occasional whale-oil lamp along its top. She doubted a patrol would be walking its parapets in this weather. The bell tower of Ori resolved from the gloom, a great pinnacle of shadow against the darkness. She had another few staircases to climb. She cut across the thoroughfare into another steep stairway. Pausing momentarily to catch her breath, she checked behind her. The patrol had not appeared yet. The rattle of carriage wheels over cobblestone came from the street above. Low squawks of atlin draft birds echoed from the nearby buildings. By the time she'd made it to the top of the stairs, the carriage sounds had stopped. She needed to put her brother down, but she worried she wouldn't be able to get him back onto her shoulder. Already she'd climbed two hundred steps and her legs didn't have much left in them. She peeked into the street. A sleek carriage, shiny and black and emblazoned with a radiance crest, stood in the middle of the street. The driver sat outboard, huddled beneath a thick cloak, hood pulled over his head. Soft light glowed through the white curtains covering the door window. A stopped carriage would not have given Kyla pause in any other circumstance. But there were no people on the streets, no other carriages, and atlins were not sure-footed in slush. Kyla didn't see what choice she had. She couldn't stand there forever, and Wen's wheezes had become more labored. She trudged across the street, giving the carriage a wide berth. She went behind it, hoping the driver and occupants wouldn't notice her. A clunk sounded behind her. A female voice, sharp with the Grissensider's perfect enunciation, called out, Lass, come here. Kyla kept walking. This is no weather to be out in about in. Kyla increased her pace, hoping to make it to the next stairwell. At least there, it would be too narrow for more than two people to come at her at once. By kill's throbbing member, I'm not going to hurt you. The blasphemy stopped Kyla. She turned and found a dark haired young woman of no more than eighteen standing next to the carriage. She wore jodhpurs and a form fitting vest beneath a dark cloak. Please, my carriage is warm and dry. I need to get him to the baths. He's very ill. A long walk carrying him, a short ride in my carriage, Kyla sigh. Kyla's weariness and worry battled with her suspicion. How do you know who I am? The voluptuary, since you needed help. Kyla wasn't convinced. Wen coughed and choked. Kyla's shoulders screamed, reminding her of a recent injury. As it was, she would never be able to carry Wen the whole way. She'd have to leave him and race to the baths in hopes that a sensual would send novitiates back with Kyla to fetch him. She decided to risk accepting the young woman's help. She still had Cain, after all. Stumbling toward the carriage, Kyla had never felt more helpless and useless. The woman's brows were knitted with concern, and she held a hand toward the door. Hegel, climb down and help this poor girl get her brother inside. The carriage wobbled as the driver scurried down. He was short and lean, but strong. He took Wen's weight and backed into the carriage. Kyla followed him in. There was a forward-facing and rear-facing bench. Hegel leaned Wen onto the front bench and slipped back into the cold. The woman climbed in and shut the door. She removed her cloak and threw it over. When, the driver whistled and the Atlans started to pull the carriage. Kyla sat on the edge of the bench as the woman took the opposite seat. She had wavy black hair and thin high brows. Her large eyes glimmered, dark and alert in a lovely round face. She was plump compared to a cheapskater, but fit. She wore a dagger on her belt. I'm Quinn Pauline. You are Kyla Sai, correct? Kyla nodded, suspicion rising again. Her hand went to Cain and rested on the pommel. You needn't stab me, lass. Quinn leaned back and eyed the blade. Is that blood on the hilt? Kyla glanced down, the memory of killing the acolyte slamming her as hard as a blow to the face. It's blood, yes. She had a sudden urge to scrub the blade clean and then scrub herself from head to toe. The acolyte had attacked her, and Wynne had been convulsing, and it had happened faster than thought itself. But still. Quinn Pauline leaned forward and placed a hand on Kyla's knee. The concern was still heavy on her brow. Kyla jerked away. She didn't know this person from kill. Quinn frowned. The voluptuary must consider you and your brother quite important to dispatch me to fetch you. And how exactly does one dispatch a Radiant to fetch a couple of cheapskate waifs? The voluptuary is convincing. But I am not a Radiant. My mother is the Radiant. So you're a princess? No, only her enlightened daughter would be a princess if she had one. I am merely Lady Pauline. You may call me Quinn. She turned her eyes to Wen. What ails him? a lingering cough. The chill air makes it worse. Why, then, would he be out in weather like this? And why in Grissenside? Now the woman was inspecting Kyla's clothes and bare feet. The watch enforced a peculiar law in Grissenside, forbidding anyone to go about barefoot. The purpose was to discourage thieves who found shoes noisy when sneaking. But in truth, it merely kept cheapskaters like Kyla and her brother out of the rich quarter. The rich always found the poor unsightly. I tried to discourage him, Kyla said, but Wen is older, and a man, and so he is always explaining things to me as if I'm four. Quinn did not press for more. She merely smiled at Kyla's evasion. The carriage swayed as it turned a sharp corner, the final switchback before arriving at the baths. Where does the heat in this carriage come from? Kyla asked, looking for a small stove but finding none. Our tithes to till pay for Mercus heat and light. She nodded at one of two Mercus light sconces on the walls. Kyla held her hand close to one, felt the warmth coming off it. Envy soured her mind as she thought of how nice such a lamp would be in their warren den. If she knew how to power one, maybe they'd have light and heat without the stink of their fish oil lantern. Where did you get that lovely ring? Quinn asked. She was looking at Kyla's queller. Is that tortoise shell? Uh, It was my mother's, Kyla lied. I don't know what it's made of. From your tone, I gather your mother is dead? Uh, yes. There was nothing more to be said on that topic, especially to a stranger. Is it much farther? In answer, the carriage turned. The sound of its wheels changed as the pavement switched from cobblestone to something smoother, and then it stopped altogether. The carriage wobbled as the driver climbed down. He opened the door and Kyla saw the steps leading to the entry of the public baths. As the driver helped her carry Wen down, Kyla was conscious of Quinn watching her. The young woman didn't get out, didn't come with Kyla as she and the driver carried Wen up the steps. They went in, and Kyla was engulfed by warmth. The sensual on duty gasped and leapt up from her desk. They lay Wen on the floor. The driver backed up a few steps and brushed his hands together. Knuckling his brow, he nodded. I'll be off then. Get him to a bed, a voice boomed from the dome of the gentle goddess. It was the voluptuary. She strode across the hall, her steps echoing. The glimmering pools filled the air with moisture and the scent of lavender. Kyla was suddenly exhausted. She felt for Nax. The cat was working her way into the compound by way of the roofs. Kyla could only assume Ali was with her. His cat is coming, Kyla said to the voluptuary. The woman arched an eyebrow but didn't say anything else. She uttered soft commands as two novitiates came in to collect when. Kyla wanted to go with them, but the voluptuary stopped her. He will be well. Unless you intend to stay and train, you must go. Being sent away shocked Kyla. After all, the woman had wanted to make her a novitiate. That woman you sent, how did she find me? The voluptuary gave Kyla a flat stare, the expression unreadable. Just because I allowed you to leave doesn't mean my interest in you vanished. So, the voluptuary had been watching her, somehow. Perhaps Yika had been shadowing them all this time. But if that were so, Why hadn't the Alnasi woman come to her aid in the plaza? No, Yika hadn't been lurking about in the slushy night. The voluptuary wouldn't waste Yika's skills like that. Nor did Kyla believe Yika would tolerate such an assignment. The voluptuary certainly had other spies. That made sense. She was the head of a powerful way and must have many agents under her command. Except Kyla hadn't seen anyone following them and with Wen, Fallow, and their cats along, Kyla doubted any human could avoid their notice for long. The voluptuary approached Kyla, arm extended toward the door. She motioned for Kyla to leave. Lady Pauline may still be out there. I already thanked her. Perhaps she may be of more service to you than just delivering you and your brother here. Kyla didn't know what the woman was getting at. She decided not to ask. Her presence was not wanted. Should I fetch Fintasang? Song? Finta is staying here for now. The Hargath wanted her, and that means he must not have her. The Hargath wants me, too. The difference is that Finta chose to stay. You see, despite her many bad choices in life, my sister is not a complete fool. The voluptuary practically shoved Kyla out the door. Come to me, Kyla sent to Nax. What about when? Ollie will find him, but you and I aren't welcome here. It wasn't completely true, but Kyla doubted Nax would appreciate the nuances of her relationship with the voluptuary. The carriage was still there, a warm glow seeping through the curtains. Hegel sat atop the vehicle, his hands gripping the Atlan reins. The birds stood on one foot, their heads bowed. The voluptuary had been cryptic when mentioning Quinn might be waiting— She was leaving a decision up to Kyla. But Kyla didn't know what it was. She went to the carriage. Quinn was inside, hands folded on her lap. She brightened at the sight of Kyla. Come in, please. Kyla didn't move. Why? Nax brushed against her leg. With a thought, Kyla urged the cat to hide under the carriage. The voluptuary may trust this woman, but Kyla didn't. I live close by. I'll give you a bed for the night. You can be near to your brother. The idea of staying in a Radiance home was so absurd Kyla couldn't help but laugh. She had assumed the only chance she would ever have of entering such a place again would be to break in to rob it. And here she was, getting an invitation. Kyla spread her arms apart, showing off her soaked garments. You do know I'm just a cheapskate waif, don't you? Not really trained in mansion manners. And she couldn't forget the blood on Cain. Lady Quinn Pauline leaned forward, eyes intent. I know the voluptuary thought you were important enough to rouse me and my driver to fetch you. She has never called upon me to perform such a favor before, but I know her. Her request was no whim. Now please get in. You're letting all the heat out, and poor Hagel surely wants to get to his bed. Has the voluptuary told you about my, uh, little friend?" A slight smile curved the woman's lips. Is it with you? I would love to see it. Her name is Nax, and if any harm comes to her, I will burn your house down with you in it. The smile disappeared. The woman became very grave. Understood. Kyla knew the driver couldn't see Nax from where he was seated, so she sent to the cat, Climb in. It's safe, I think. Nax didn't need much encouragement. She was cold and wet. Like a gray ghost, she glided into the carriage. Quinn gasped at the sight of her. Next, jumped onto the bench opposite the woman. Kyla closed the door behind herself and joined her cat, who immediately climbed onto her lap to steal Kyla's warmth. I've read about cats, Quinn said, voice full of wonder. I never thought I would see one. She extended a hand tentatively. May I? You'd better let me ask her first. Quinn's eyes widened and her mouth opened. What? May this woman touch you, Kyla sent. Nax didn't answer so much as stretch and roll onto her back. This was an invitation to have her belly scratched. Kyla nodded to Quinn. The woman stroked Nax's belly, mouth open in awe. She's so soft. That's enough of that. "'Kyla didn't want the woman to assume too much familiarity with Nax. "'And it was always good to withhold something from someone. "'That gave you power. "'How much? "'Kyla didn't know. "'But she was dealing with a lady of a major house. "'She needed all the leverage she could get. "'The carriage started forward again. "'Quinn continued to watch Nax in fascination. "'Kyla wondered how the voluptuary had gained such influence over the woman. "'Perhaps Quinn had been a novitiate.' Maybe she had some small spark of the Marcus. That was probably it. The woman had trained at the baths, then returned home to resume her life of luxury. She had probably grown fond of the voluptuary during her time there, felt she owed the woman. Are you hungry? Quinn asked. I'm from Cheapskate. I'm always hungry. Quinn laughed, shaking her head as if Kyla was the most marvelous thing she had ever seen. I think we shall test the limits of your appetite. The carriage pulled to a stop. Quinn nodded for Carla to climb out. Holding Nax in her arms, she exited the carriage and found herself standing at the rear of one of the great houses of Grissenside. The manse stretched a hundred paces in either direction. Tidy brickwork, manicured lawns, windows shining with Marcus lights. The house was larger than any terracide inn. Indeed, it was larger than the Hayali house that she had squatted in not so long ago. Welcome to our city house, Quinn said. The way she said it suggested there were many other homes belonging to the family Pauline. Such wealth was beyond the ken of a girl of Kyla's experience. Already her thief's mind was considering possibilities. She would never steal from someone offering hospitality, but there was much to be learned inside such a house. They entered through a back door, and Kyla stepped into a new world.